Why do we exist? Were we created with a purpose? Or are we just here by chance? What are we to believe about life, faith, and worldview? Welcome to The Universe Next Door, focusing on answers to the questions we all consider. The Universe Next Door is supported by the C.S. Lewis Society, Trinity College of Florida, and supported by gifts from listeners just like you. Discover more resources and continue the conversation at apologetics.org. And now, your host, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College of Florida, author and speaker, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to the Universe Next Door. We are right next door to your universe and your next door to my universe. And uh, Nick Shauna, how is your universe doing today? It's doing well. It hasn't burned out, so. Okay, very good. And we know, according to modern science, the universe, that is the grand, mighty, fantastic, awesome, inspiring, as we look out in the night sky universe, that universe is expanding, but it's cooling down. It's going to keep cooling and cooling and cooling, and ultimately it's going to die the heat death. Well, the Bible tells us something else. It says that God has in plan a newer and more, you might say, an improved, incredibly fantastic, outstanding new heavens and new earth. Well, we can describe the universe in two ways, as a physical universe and also as the mental universe, the universe of ideas that are embedded sometimes deep in our thinking. We're not even aware of the influence that they have. And modern scientists often have a mental universe, a worldview. And that's, of course, the universe next door comes from a study on worldviews done by a mentor of mine. He is now with the Lord, but Jim Sire one of the greatest writers on worldviews and world religions of our era, uh, just released one of the great books of all time when he published The Universe Next Door in the 1970s. And then, of course, when it began to go into second and third and fourth, I think it's maybe in the sixth edition, every time it got better and every time it sold more copies. The InterVarsity Press that really was the one that released it was very happy when I approached them. Uh, Nick, just about oh, five years ago, and said, we'd like to switch our name of our program from Darwin or Design to the Universe Next Door. And we're going to be talking about Jim uh, Sire's book. And they said, how can we help? <laughs> so they wow. they're very eager to us to not only <clears throat> d- delve into the area of worldview, but to let people know about that resource. Well, today I want to combine uh, the two areas of great books and apologetics headlines. So if you want to title this program, just you know, mentally... Uh, put it under that tab in your file folder. Great books and world headlines, world news, apologetics news headlines. You know, I like to follow headline news. Sometimes if you're watching a news channel, it'll have that little ticker like tape, tape a little um, a strip at the bottom of the screen in which they give the running, you know, breaking news alert from this or that uh, part of the world from, you know, whether it be in a weather event a political event, you know, sometimes even if you're in a sports channel, be the, the latest scores or the latest uh, victories or defeats. Well, I like to think of uh, this program as featuring what has, has been happening recently in the world of apologetics. And so maybe it would be a good idea of us um, reviewing the term apologetics in case, um, you know, someone listening is not really that, you know, tuned in or aware of the term. So let me just, Nick, ask you, if you were to have a conversation, uh, enjoying a, a chat with somebody at Starbucks, and they were to say, well, Nick, what are you talking about? What is this thing, apologetics? What, how might you answer? 
First of all, the word is interesting because people always think it means apologizing. Mm-hmm. They think we're great at apologizing. Um, there is a place for which, apologizing. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> if I step on your toe, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I would tell them it's not apologizing. Okay. Uh, but what it is, it's, it's the defense of the Bible. It's mm-hmm. our reason. Uh, it comes from 1 Peter 3.15 that we're to have a reason uh, for the hope that, that is within us. Mm-hmm. And that's really, really key because apologia, the, the Greek word, or if there's actually an English word, apologia. You know, it's just literally spelled A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, apologia. And in um, the speech communication area where I got my doctorate in science communication, the rhetoric of science, there is a term that is used. If you have done something awful or, you know, that is very embarrassing, something perhaps even um, near or at the level of illegality, and you think that there is a a reason, you know, that you actually defend yourself, there is such a thing as an apologia speech. So um, apologetics is the explanation and defense, and you can even use the, a, a technical word, vindication. To vindicate someone is to prove that they are true, that they're right, that they're honorable in the face of accusations. And some, some of you may have actually seen um, you know, movies or TV programs where somebody is cast as a villain and it turns out that, that they're the hero. Okay, so the, the Fugitive, the film with, uh, you know, the, the, the doctor who is accused of killing his wife and he has to escape after he's uh, sent to prison to, to find out, you know, who is this one-armed man that he knows actually is the culprit that, that killed his wife. So uh, Harrison Ford does a quite amazing job in that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen that film. If not, I'll invite you over, <laughs> you, you and your wife over, and we'll watch it at our house. But the fugitive film is an example of vindication. Well, that's what the uh, apologist does. He explains and defends and, where needed, vindicates, proves true through good arguments and reasons, through line-upon-line evidence. And so what I've, I'm trying to, to, to bring out here briefly is that we are living in a, an enormous cascade Think of it as a huge, gushing, gurgling waterfall of evidence falling down, as it were, into our laps from every field that you can talk about. I mean, just history and archaeology. I could go in for like a half an hour. I could go for hours, literally, sharing uh, new discoveries of the last decade that point to the truth of the Christian worldview. And Judeo-Christianity can be supported from philosophy. There's an explosion of philosophical evidence and philosophical reasoning from such greats as Alvin Plantinga, the greatest philosophical mind of the last 500 years, who is defending Christianity and really debunking and pointing out flaws in in major atheist arguments. So we've actually enjoyed having Alvin Plantinga engaged in our ministry in Europe in Vienna, Austria, and Budapest, Hungary. And at some at some point, I need to share the stories of walking around <laughs> Budapest love to hear those. with Alvin Plantinga. So if you move into biochemistry, we've had a huge breakthrough in that front, and that is, of course, the new book that just came out days ago entitled Darwin Devolves. And this book by Michael Behe has stirred up an enormous tidal wave. It's like a tsunami of positive discussion and also attacks, um, some, as it were, uh, annihilation attempts to just crush Behe's book, to, as it were, strangle it, uh, this baby in the bassinet. And, and his book is a triumph of science. It's a triumph of reasoning and 
brilliant writing. I have never read a book ever on science in my life that that uh, that whomped me, that hit me, that uh, I guess the word catapulted me to a whole no, new level of understanding of biology. Darwin devolves a a book which I predict will be a book for the ages. I mean, I, as I was reading it, I thought, you know, g- game over, you know, case closed. The case for evolution is now in tatters because what we're learning at the level of DNA is that the, um, the genes, that's a segment of DNA that codes for a single protein, or at least for an RNA, sometimes they just remain as an RNA string and do their own thing as a folded RNA. But So a gene is a segment of DNA that codes for an RNA or a protein. Those genes are not, as it were, being sculpted from like an extra duplicate copy and then mean being made into a new gene. No, the genes that we see being changed are being simply damaged, they're being degraded, or they're being blunted. Like a, a, a knife that I run back and forth over a sharp, you know, a, a, a very strong steel edge. That knife, after about uh, 500 runs back and forth, has become, become dull. It's going to become blunted. And genes can be blunted. They can be turned down. Their functionality can be destroyed or at least partially damaged. And so what Michael B. he's showing is that the only action that natural selection is working on is not new genes that are popping in brilliantly, ready to work, is broken genes that are causing an animal, a plant, some kind of microbe even, to go into a dead-end street, a little cul-de-sac, where it can't get out. It's just there. Does that sound uh, like uh, Darwinian theory is is winning the day, according to this new information? Sounds like Darwinian theory devolving. It's devolving. <laughs> <laughs> you you captured it in one word. The, the, literally, the second word of Behe's title, Darwin devolves. And I've I've mentioned a little bit about the book in some previous broadcasts over the last month or so. So I don't want to really kind of duplicate everything I've said. But um, what I'm going to predict here is that the 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 game. Uh, the contest, the debate between intelligent design and neo-Darwinism, the theory that coalesced in the 1940s, uh, no later than 1945, through the work of Ernst Mayer of Harvard University, George Gaylord Simpson, also Harvard University, and many others I could name. That neo-Darwinian evolutionary paradigm is in its final implosion stage right now as we speak because they there's no place to hide the evidence is out in the open that no evidence is available for neo-darwinian crafting for the natural selection you know developing and bringing into play new genes new proteins to create for example the spliceosome What's the spliceosome? Well, that's the machine that comes in and splices the RNA copy and then tacks it back together once it's gotten rid of certain sections. Those um, splicing activities have to be carried out by a rather ginormous machine. And the word ginormous, I checked it out, it is in the dictionary. (laughs) You know who developed it? I thought it was just like kids, you know, teenagers in the last 10 years. It was uh, some GIs 
who were fighting in Europe Europe in, in 1944, 1945. Oh, wow. And they were describing a really big problem, and they were saying, this is ginormous. Wow. So, so Fairly so, modern word. Yes. Yeah. So it's 1940s. So anyway, so Darwinian theory cannot explain a ginormous machine called the spliceosome that doesn't have one or two interacting parts. It has over, wait for it, 200 protein parts. Wow. Wow is appropriate. 200 interacting, precisely crafted so that they fit together like a lock and key, like two gears meshing together. And that's what we're finding. Speaking of gears meshing together, there is a little bug, a flea hopper, that actually is able to jump in its uh, in one of its earlier stages before it reaches the adult stage. And this little bug has gear teeth that mesh together that enable it to fly at such a rapid rate that it would be like a human suddenly being able to catapult at over 100 miles an hour, wow. uh, jumping in a high jump. So, um, and again, Michael B., he brings out the, these, some of these new discoveries about how uh, the crafting the interacting parts of living things is a clear designer of intelligence unless you can show some other way that that intelligence that 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 those reports rather interacting can have been put together without intelligence and the and the the attraction from darwin to the to today from 1859 to you know 2019 has been quite simply it explains or attempts to it touts itself as being able to explain the sheer enormous complexity of life and the integrated functionality of life through many many interacting parts without the resort to a designer and so if someone has a world view literally that universe next door which is uh, inhabits their their own heart and mind and if they're interested in, as it were, moving that off the table as a plausible worldview and leaving only just matter in motion. And so our, even our own minds and brains, even our thoughts, our, our uh, consciousness, our sense of morality, that's just matter in motion. Well, if you really like that worldview, then Darwin's theory fits the bill. I mean, it, it, it answers that ultimate desire for... Uh, scientific, if you will, evidence that there is no God. Or at least if there's a God, he is mysteriously kind of behind the scenes, just watching everything happen. Maybe as he has pre-programmed it, as some of our theistic evolution friends would would put it. So uh, I'm going to just, you know, come back on this a little bit later because I want to talk about another book for sure that has uh, been at the top of this tsunami of scientific evidence. But Darwin devolves, subtitled The New Science About DNA That Challenges Evolution. And our goal is to have Michael Behe on this program uh, with me interviewing him uh, here in the next month or so. So stay tuned for that. DNA is really an important area to deal with. And that's where Michael Behe has, in his new book, Darwin Devolves, really hit the nail on the head and really asked the key questions and especially uh, do the new theories that have been put forward by about a oh, dozen or so scientists to say, okay, we have a new better idea than Darwin's to explain evolution. And he goes through each of those competing new ideas and says, eh, it won't work. 
for the following 16 reasons. So uh, a great read, uh, very important (coughs) turning point book in modern apologetics history. Thank you, Michael Behe, for spending the last three and a half years writing one of the great books of all time. And uh, I can't wait to see the rest of the world's reaction. Uh, Next week, we'll also bring you, uh, at least our our plan is to bring you, uh, just a bit of the uproar that has been caused by the attack on this book in the magazine Science. Well, I have another book to talk about. This one was named World Magazine Book of the Year. It came out just, I think it was about two years ago that it came out, and it's still reverberating. It's still as it were, has has a kind of an activity, an energy, a bustling, um, wow, a pop to it that you can't deny. And that is Douglas Axe's book, Undeniable. Now, a little bit on Douglas Axe. Since he is coming to Tampa Bay, Douglas Axe is going to be here in person. And if you're uh, in Tampa Bay for the weekend of April 6th and 7th, what a great time to fly down from New England, you know, New York, Philadelphia, Maryland, or uh, even if you're out west listening to our program and on our uh, station there uh, in the Bay Area of uh, San Francisco. Uh, We are so excited. Uh, If you can make it down here, just contact us uh, for all the information at apologetics.org, the actual um, place to to reach us on uh, our email approach is information at apologetics.org. If you go on our website, we have a whole page on the visit of Dr. Uh, Douglas Axe and his work on the book Undeniable and his entire career, which has been devoted as a scientist to bringing out the case for the uh, creation through design. That is the specific uh, bringing into existence of genes and enzymes, again, DNA, and the molecular structures that they produce, especially in an active, um, chemically active uh, enzymatic system. And so Dr. Doug Axe, in his book, Undeniable, I will be doing a seminar with him at 4 o'clock on Saturday. This is at the Bayside Community Church on Bayshore Drive in Tampa. If you're familiar with the geography, this is over on the side where Bayshore Boulevard snakes down along uh, that beautiful waterfront uh, of the area just above MacDill Air Force Base. And so he'll be speaking from with me at 4 o'clock to 8 o'clock. We'll be taking a dinner break, 5.45 to 7. But if you're interested in, in attending, uh, I'm inviting especially church youth groups. I'm thinking of uh, parents with their children if they're involved in um, homeschooling. Some parents are involved in a co-op system, so come one, come all. Please, uh, please spread the word. Uh, again, the information is on our website at apologetics.org. Uh, check it out there. But Douglas Axe, in his book, Undeniable, explains why when he went as a protein scientist, a biochemist, working in some of the most elite laboratories in all of England, uh, either in or around Cambridge University, he found out some things about DNA and enzymes from his work his, as a bench biochemist. He, he actually was the one conducting experiments to track down the causes of cancer, the causes of dysfunctionality or, or um, brokenness in these biochemical systems. And as he was doing this, he began to share his excitement with other scientists there 
in the area around Cambridge University that he he felt that he had stumbled onto just a kind of a surefire, just smoking gun evidence that these systems were designed. And they couldn't have been evolved because of this or that particular scientific reason. And Nick, can you guess how they they uh, treated him? Can you guess? Did they embrace these ideas there <laughs> probably, at Cambridge University? Probably not very nicely. <laughs> <laughs> he was shown what's called the cold shoulder. Yeah. As some people would come along and say, you know, Doug, uh, we like you. We think you're doing fantastic scientific work, but, but you might not want to bring yeah. out some of these, you know, controversial conclusions but you can get out of here and (laughs) (laughs) eventually they they sort of hinted he might want to find another place yeah (laughs) and so he literally created the world's first scientific laboratory studying and doing experiments on intelligent design theory wow i would say a wow is totally appropriate so douglas acts one of the great scientific minds and he's bold as a lion I mean, just to hear him evaluate some of the new findings in science, to, to see him. And in, if you just Google or, or do a YouTube search and let Doug Axe bring out uh, right in your hearing through your handheld phone or, you know, your laptop, your, your home computer. Um, when the book Undeniable, uh, Nick, came out, he did an hour and 40 minute seminar at Discovery Institute. And the, the video is right there at YouTube. I haven't had a chance because I'm so busy grading papers and prepping for classes here at Trinity College. I, when I discovered that just days ago, I said, wow, this is tremendous. But he's going to be here in Tampa Bay. He'll be at um, University of South Florida, 9 a.m., probably 9 to 1030. That'll be Saturday morning, April 6th. If you're interested in, in coming to our seminar, uh, we would appreciate just having you give us a heads up at information at apologetics. That's information at apologetics.org. And that seminar is 4 to 5.45. I'll be the main teacher. Doug Axe will be interviewed right smack dab in the middle of that about his work on DNA and enzymes. And then we'll take a dinner break. We're going to have a coach, really a a wonderful dinner coach, come by the church. And then at 7 to 8, it'll be 100% Doug Axe sharing about his book, the world global reaction to it, and the Q&A period. We'll conclude that 7 to 8 at the Bayside Community Church. And then that uh, night, uh, having uh, taken his uh, rest, he will come back to the Bayside Church the next morning for two uh, presentations at 10 and 11. And then uh, capping off the entire visit to Tampa Bay will be at Sarasota Baptist Church, and that will be at 6 o'clock Sunday evening, and that will be April 7th. So two weeks uh, before Easter weekend, we have the ultimate opportunity to be trained on the science side, to be exposed to the new developments, the discoveries, the breakthroughs that have brought, again, the case for design to the forefront and shown it is not only plausible, it is virtually inescapable. One of the most amazing things about this book is that Doug Axe says we now have Uh, that not only undoes Darwinism, but that vindicates our sense that life is designed. He argues in this book that even children in elementary age, 7, 8, 9, 10, or 11, whatever, 5th grade, 3rd grade, 1st grade even, they know enough about cause-effect relationships in the real universe that when they see something that has automated components in it that enable it to act on its own, he calls this the busy hole phenomenon, So if you see, for example, one of these micro-machines floating around a swimming pool, 
that, that uh, automated just uh, does its own thing, has its own little brain, and it does its own sweeping and cleaning process. That busy hole has to be designed. And then he shows that, of course, even the humblest bacteria is billions of times more powerful, more amazing, more high-tech than a busy hole uh, machine floating around a swimming pool because of its ability to reproduce itself. So um, to hear the whole argument on common science, that's what he calls this, the, in, in the book Undeniable, we're saying don't miss Doug Axe coming to Tampa Bay on April uh, 6th and 7th. All the information is right there at apologetics.org. Thanks for listening to The Universe Next Door. See you back here next week. You've been listening to The Universe Next Door with Dr. Tom Woodward, sponsored by the C.S. Lewis Society and Trinity College of Florida and supported through the gifts of listeners just like you. To gather resources, continue the conversation, and support The Universe Next Door with your financial gifts, go to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org. And join us again next time as we continue to seek the truth about life, faith, and worldview in The Universe Next Door.